You're listening to The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. This is The Bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network. Howdy, howdy, hi. This is your loyal host, Andrew Herzog of The Bonfire Podcast. I have been here all year long. And if you are listening, I hope you have been too. And if not... Welcome. Welcome to the entertainment podcast here on the Blaze Radio Network. This is where we talk about the important things. Need I remind you? Sports, travel, food, movies, TV shows, music, and generally whatever the hell I want because I don't want to talk politics. There's enough of that in the world. There are enough idiots in politics, and then there are enough smart people talking about Politics. I will leave it to them. They do that. I will do something different. Here is that different. The different is, on Netflix last month, something came out, a new series that is unique to Netflix, and it's called Stranger Things. <laughs> and I'm only two episodes in. I think there were only there's eight or nine episodes for season one, I guess they would call it, and I'm only two episodes in. But after the first episode, I said, yeah, I need to keep watching. This looks really good. I enjoyed it. That is in stark contrast to the other TV show, Arrested Development, which you've heard before here on the podcast. I have outlined the little experiment that I did, having people tell me, oh, Andrew, you need to check it out. It's a great, uh, it's a great TV show. I was challenged to watch six episodes minimum in order to get into it. I thought, no, why should I have to watch six episodes of anything in order for it to finally click? If you don't capture me in the first one and maybe the second, why would I keep watching? That is absolutely a waste of my time. That, I mean, that's my mindset. So with any TV show, if you capture me, it's usually in the first time, the first episode I see, maybe the second one. But when you push it up to six, I thought that was ridiculous. But I gave it a shot, and I said, yeah, no, this is not for me. I did lose interest. I don't care <laughs> the characters. I don't care to get to know them any better. And so I have dropped Arrested Development. I've not seen another episode past episode six. This, however, is completely different. Stranger Things on Netflix. Here, I'm going to go ahead and play the trailer for you. And then we will discuss. And, of course, when I say we, I really mean me. But here we go. Hawkins. I don't know the worst thing that's ever happened here in the four years I've been working here. It was when an owl attacked Eleanor Gillespie's head because it thought that her hair was a nest.
99 out of 100 times, kid goes missing, the kid is with a parent or a relative. What about the other time? What? You said 99 out of 100. What about the other time? The one! It is a mystery thriller slash scary, I guess you could say. It is not a horror TV show. Let's be clear. As I've said multiple times before here on the show, there is a difference between horror and scary movies, thriller movies, things of that nature. This is a little more low-key. Sure, there are a few moments that might make you jump. The music can be pretty nerve-wracking. But that's what it's there for. <laughs> it's there to put you on the edge of your seat and you say, oh my gosh, what's about to happen? And then you lose your mind for maybe two seconds and then it's back to normal. So, imagine all of that in a TV show. Originally produced and published by Netflix. So, Stranger Things, Bonfire does recommend it, I, even though I'm only two episodes in. I don't know how the rest of it progresses, how season one ends episodes range from maybe 45 minutes to an hour i've seen so it's not like your typical half hour episode or 45 minute episode you know minus the commercials it's it's a show that when you start watching you notice something (laughs) and that's one particular reason why i like it so much granted i was not born in the 1980s but i think i can recognize the 1980s when i see it or when i hear it for that matter the music, the way it's shot, almost almost the quality of the video itself. Maybe it's the lighting, the costumes, of course, the effects. And I'm really referring to the, the opening sequence, or the opening titles of the show, where it, it gives you the title, Stranger Things. It has sort of neon lights, and it's got kind of cheesy 80s music, and I think, oh... My gosh, this is awesome. And I love that stuff. I love the styles, the clothes, the fashion, the music, the food. Not the food, excuse me. The uh, the film. <laughs> I got food on the brain. Um, so it's a, it's a show that's based in the 80s, but you totally feel like you're actually back in the 80s. It kind of reminds me a lot of Back to the Future, where the styles, 
the music, everyone's demeanor. Very 80s, and I love it. And it's in a small town in Indiana, I believe. And so you start watching, and you wonder, well, I don't think I know what's going on. And then something else happens. Well, how does, what is this? And then something else happens. Well, okay, now I'm lost. So you want to watch the episode again, kind of when it's over, or at least revisit it later in the week, just to kind of wrap your mind around, okay, I think I, I think I have an idea of what might be happening. So, And I have no clue. Like I said, I'm only two episodes in. I have a good six or seven more to go. And so hopefully by the end of this podcast, I can go home and watch the next one. But Bonfire does recommend it. If you're looking for a, an original, unique, entertaining TV show, then yeah. And, it, and if you have Netflix, I recommend it. Something that's coming up later in this episode is the unoriginality of the movie and TV industry. There are exceptions, and this is one of them. Stranger Things on Netflix is worth your time, in the Bonfire opinion. This is the Bonfire, on demand, on the Blaze Radio Network. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. This is the Bonfire On Demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Here's your host, Andrew Herzog. Speaking of the 1980s, I don't think you've heard this story before. Let me go ahead and quote it. I know a few paragraphs here from Business Insider. Cold War history is rife with close calls that nearly led to nuclear holocaust. In September 1983, for example, sunlight reflecting off a patch of clouds fooled a Soviet missile warning system into detecting the launch of five U.S. intercontinental ballistic missiles that never were. A wary colonel in the bunker ignored the alarm on a 50-50 hunch. Two months later, U.S. forces staged Able Archer 83, a massive nuclear strike drill on the doorstep of the USSR. Soviet commanders panicked at the show of force and nearly bathed America in thermonuclear energy. Once again, an act of human doubt saved the planet. Now, scientists have one more hair-raising event to add to the books, The Great Storm of May 1967. Never mind, this is back in the 60s. <laughs> Oh, goodness. The storm made its initial mark with a colossal solar radio burst causing radio interference and near-simultaneous disruptions of dayside radio communication, a group of atmospheric scientists and military weather service personnel wrote in a new study. Hours later, high-frequency communications dropped out near U.S. military installations in and near the Arctic, one of the closest places to station nuclear weapons and launch them at a Cold War-era Soviet Union. Such an intense, never-before-observed solar radio burst was interpreted as jamming, the study authors wrote, Cold War military commanders viewed full-scale jamming of surveillance sensors as a potential act of war. All right, so, there's the setup. Back in the 60s, radio interference from the sun, which does happen, more frequent than you think, knocked out radio communications, disrupted communications, the human element will look at that and think, hmm, this could be something bad. What should we do? Which is the 
proper route to take? What is the safer thing to do? Is the safer thing to just assume it's an attack and then we reciprocate? Or is the safer thing to do, doubt it and not do anything? So you can only imagine, of course, during the Cold War, that both sides are feeling the same thing. Wondering, uh-oh, what do we do? We have we got to be in the moment, and we have to make a decision in seconds. What are we going to do? Because, mad, mutually assured destruction. If Russia detected something, and they hesitated, they would be bathed in nuclear destruction. Thereby not being able to attack the U.S. So they would suffer the losses, and the United States would have victory. Or vice versa. The U.S. is sitting there minding its business, hesitates, sees maybe a possible incoming attack, and they decide, "Eh, let's not, we can't do this. We're not absolutely sure. And then all the cities are hit. All the air bases. All the missile silos destroyed. Millions of people dead. Well... Because you, Bob, over there decided to hesitate, millions of people are dead, and we cannot attack. We are now fully at the mercy of the Soviet Union. So yes, you can only imagine what was going through the minds of the military personnel back in the Cold War. And then, of course, something like this, just a solar storm doing its thing. Thank God, nothing came about. Earth's magnetic field protects life on the planet by corralling the sun's high-energy particles toward the polar regions. If the sun happens to launch a cloud of solar particles directly toward Earth during a violent outburst, a CME, a coronal mass ejection, it can trigger powerful geomagnetic storms. This not only leads to beautiful auroras, but it can also scramble wireless communications and disrupt radar systems. So there you go. The Washington Post wrote up a story about the storm called City Gets a Rare Look at the Northern Lights. But it's not just pretty. It can also be pretty dangerous if you don't know what you're doing. The Air Weather Service, a relatively new branch of the Air Force, had warned military leadership about the possibility of a solar storm back in 1967, but the U.S. commanders believed the Soviet forces were jamming NORAD systems designed to detect threatening planes and missiles. As the Strategic Air Command warmed up the engines of bombers and taxied toward the runway, the decision to go airborne may have been kicked all the way up to the highest levels of the government, possibly including the president himself, LBJ. But just in time, military space weather forecasters conveyed information about the solar storm's potential to disrupt radar and radio communications. The planes remained on the ground, and the U.S. avoided a potential nuclear weapon exchange with the Soviet Union. So, yeah, this was at a time when there were 31,255 nuclear weapons around the world. Today, there are only 7,200. So there, there you go. Back in the Cold War, as everybody was ramping up production, yeah, you had 31,000 nukes around the world, uh, most of them in Soviet and American hands. So because of a little solar radiation back in the 60s, it's possible none of us would be here right now. So the story here (laughs) says, yeah, thank God for the uh, space weather forecasters for telling us, yeah, this may just be a weather storm. Uh, You know, let's calm down for half a second and let us explain here. We predicted that this was going to happen later today or later this week, and that's probably what it is, so let's just uh, let's not do anything too rash. Well, good thing it worked. A giant solar storm nearly triggering a nuclear war back in 1967. Little side note there. So yes, at the very beginning when I said, oh, uh, speaking of the 80s, yeah, I butchered that. I butchered that. But let's just move on from that. On the other side, we're going to get back to what I did tease properly earlier, 
about the unoriginality of Hollywood. You know, what they're doing, maybe how we can get around it as consumers, how we can sort of, you know, direct their energies. Because, I don't know about you, but I'm getting really sick of sequels and remakes. Enough is enough. And in the next block, here is yet another example of an original movie coming out later this year. I believe, yeah, later this year. And it looks pretty promising, so we'll check it out. This is The Bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network On Demand. The progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something. And progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars. This is The Bonfire On Demand. Hosted by Andrew Herzog. On the Blaze Radio Network. Hollywood still manages to take my money. When they do nothing, seemingly lately, except make remakes and sequels. Uh, In the past couple of years, we've had Marvel doing its own thing. Captain America 1, 2, and 3. Avengers 1 and 2. And now technically 3 and 4 coming out in the next couple years. You had the uh, Man of Steel, which came out, and then followed by Batman vs. Superman, and soon to be Justice League. And then Suicide Squad, which just came out. That was, it's an original uh, movie, but it's still part of a vast DC Warner Brothers universe. Um, Sequels like, what is it called? Neighbors. I think it's Neighbors. It's like Seth Rogen, because there was like Neighbors, and then Neighbors 2, The Party, The Take Back, some some trash, and I thought, okay. I didn't care about the first one. I don't care about that one either. So, there were a lot of movies, a lot of commercials I see thinking, okay, I, don't, I have no interest in seeing that. Yeah, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I didn't see the first one. It looked okay, but I wasn't really too drawn to go see it in the first place. Then they come out with a second one, a sequel, and you think, ooh, did I ask for that? Did anybody ask for that? I don't know, but they made it anyway. <sighs> Jurassic World, last summer. A sort of a sequel, maybe, from 1, 2, and 3. You can't, beat the, you can't beat the original, Jurassic Park. Period. 2 and 3 were, ugh. They entertained in their own ways, but they weren't substantial at all. So Jurassic World, yes, I did go see it, and yes, it did very well at the box office, especially internationally, but, yeah, I wasn't too impressed. That's why I didn't go buy it on DVD. I don't necessarily want it in my house. I want it in my collection. I didn't think it was that impressive. I was generally entertained, but I thought, okay, I've seen it once. That's all I need. There are definitely movies that I see and I say, all right, I need to own that on DVD or download it so that I have it with me and I can watch it again and again every every few months, every other year, however often, you know, it just hits me to, to watch it again. Movies like Inception, The Prestige, The Batman Trilogy, that's all from Christopher Nolan, but that's because I really like him. I think he's a good writer, good director, original ideas, makes movies realistic. I appreciate it. So, ticket sales are down 10% from last summer, from last year. 
obviously, we all know that's because of the advent of the internet. People are deciding, hey, I'm going to go home and stay at uh, watch Netflix, Stranger Things. I'm going to stay on Amazon and watch movies and rent TV shows. I'm just going to stay home. Why should I have to get dressed, get in the car, go spend 10 to $20 just for me, one person, to go see a movie, and then drive home, fight the crowds, fight the traffic, whatever. Studio executives and, you know, cultural writers, commentators, they acknowledge, look, people are only willing to go to the theaters if they're going to get some huge visceral experience, you know. Um, the studio executives acknowledge, you know what, the, there's no money in risks, in these risk-taking original ideas. They're not they're really not willing to do that because they see, oh, Transformers 1, 2, 3, and 4 all did very well, which they did. I think domestically it started dropping, but then China and other international markets started picking up on it. So the fourth one with Mark Wahlberg did really well overseas. Even though I watched all four in the past you know, month or two, and the first one was the best. Two was pleasantly surprised. I thought, okay, not bad. Three, I was like, okay, yeah, I can deal with it. It's still Sam Witwicky. But then the fourth one, I thought, wow, why am I watching this? This is kind of a big drop-off, I thought. But, to be honest, when Transformers 5 does come out, and I'm not sure when it does, but when it does, am I going to go see it? Yeah, probably. I don't know why. <laughs> it's, I, well, no, I think I do. It's because I expect lots of explosions, lots of action, and to put it in a movie theater, you're going to be surrounded by it visually and audibly you can't get that when you're at home at least i can't i don't have a home theater (laughs) i just have a tv which is perfectly fine it's a nice big tv but you don't get wrapped up in the experience like you do at a theater and now theaters nowadays at least in the dallas area are starting to do leather seats serving you food and drink at your chair and lazy boy reclining seats you know very nice chairs Trying to make it an experience to say, yeah, we know you're going to come here and spend, what, 10, 20 bucks just for yourself, but let's make that worth it to you. Let's give you a nicer chair. And if you want service, yeah, you got to pay for it. But the food is pretty decent. You'd be surprised. Not like the trashy hot dogs and popcorn that you used to be able to get at the theater and think, ugh, why am I eating this? No, it's real food. Pleasantly surprised. Yes, you do pay out the, uh, <coughs> excuse me. But kind of worth it sometimes when you want that experience you think to yourself i'm gonna go have a a fun night at the movie theater tonight i'm gonna get some friends and we're gonna get there and let's have a little drink while we're watching it why not i can spare an extra ten dollars <laughs> 15 including tip whatever if you're in the mood for that go right ahead so mo- original movies though studios aren't really on board with that they say they say some you know r- rare exceptions would be uh, the shallows lights out they, uh, Bad Moms, those are all the movies from like this summer. Bonfire does recommend Lights Out, as I talked about last time. Um, they, they are very conscientious about making those and then trying to release them to the public anymore. Because they don't make as much money as the sequels and the remakes. Because somehow, some way, they get us. Just like they're about to make a Magnificent Seven remake. I saw the original, love the original. I'm not so sure I'm going to go see the remake, but I just might because, you know, we all love entertainment. 
We'd all like to give an opinion. So we'd have to go and see it ourselves and say, okay, I'll do it so I can compare it to the original. It looks like it's going to be lots of action. So, okay, I'll make a night out of it. You know, Friday night when it comes out, I'll go there with a couple friends. We'll have a good time. We'll sit there and enjoy the experience in the movie theater. Because now it's no longer it's no longer the only way to get your entertainment. Back in the day, it was. You know, if you wanted to watch anything, you had to go to the theater. You had TV at home, but that would be for basic, you know, cable five channels. And it would be half of them were the news. So you'd say, well, there's nothing on TV. So if you wanted to be entertained with movies, you had to go to the movie theater. But as VHS and eventually DVDs and now streaming, you don't have to. You can stay home. Movie theaters realize that. And so they're trying to get you to come back. And they do admit that now in the theater. <laughs> I saw it before. I couldn't believe it. They said, thank you for choosing to support your theater. I'm like, oh, I get you. <laughs> You're literally thanking me for choosing to give you my time and money tonight. Because you know I could have gone elsewhere. And it's true. Um, if I'm really looking forward to the movie, then yes. I will try to go see it more or less opening night or use the uh, bonfire... Uh, subscription that we have where I can go see pre-screenings when they let me know, and I'm going to go see one later this week, as a matter of fact. And I'll hopefully write an article about it later. That's that's coming up. It'll be good stuff. Very optimistic. So, yes, I will pay the $10, sometimes up to 20 for the seat and maybe a drink, if the movie excites me enough, if the trailer gets me, and I think, yeah, this will be worth the experience. It's not, I just want to see the movie, just tell me the story. No. I want it. I want to experience it with my whole body. You know, you don't do that at the uh, at the house. That's why watching scary movies at the home is different than in the theater. In the theater, ooh, it's a whole different element, as I explained last time. So, yes, movies like um, Independence Day, Alice Through the Looking Glass, which is you know Alice in Wonderland sequel, Zoolander Two, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, they all acknowledge. Look, those were kind of late late to the game but they still thought we got to take a stab at it these are the blockbusters that is where we make our serious money and then on the original movies it's hit or miss that we either lose money or we make two million dollars was that worth the time and effort and the money just to release the stupid thing in the first place sometimes it's not but in this case lights out i think is doing relatively well some of the biggest Horror or horror scary movies would be uh, Paranormal Activity. I think the budgets are in the hundreds of thousands of dollars, but they did so well they made millions. So they made a whole lot of money on their investment. So a lot of great ROI there. You know those are rare though for original movies to do really well, and it's it's formulaic. Yeah, of course we know that that they think oh God here's another sequel, here's another remake because studios right now know they're hurting. They have to make money. And so they think, okay, the easiest thing to do is really just to do some sequels and remakes. Let's stay alive. Keep coming up with somehow new ways to get people into the theaters. So until they find another way to show us their content, it looks like for the next several years it's going to be that type of thing with a little bit of originality sprinkled in, So, which is too bad. Now, here is an example of one original movie coming up called Arrival, comes out in November, I believe, if I'm correct. And let me go ahead and play the uh, trailer here so that you can decide for yourself. Hmm, does that pique my interest? There are days that define your story beyond your life. 
like the day they arrived. Colonel? Pack your bags. Language is the first weapon drawn in a conflict. It's quite a greeting. Yeah, well, you wrote it. You are on the top of everyone's list when it comes to translations. Priority one. What do they want? Where are they from? Not everyone is wired for what you're about to do. So what do they look like? You'll see soon enough. Every 18 hours, door opens up. That's where we go in. That's it. Just a minute long. It is a teaser trailer, and uh, I believe the the extended trailer, um, as they're labeling it, comes out later in August. Maybe next week? I don't know. But, yeah, the movie does open November 11th, and it's got um, Jeremy Renner, Forrest Whitaker, Amy Adams. Amy Adams from, you know, Man of Steel. She's Lois Lane. Jeremy Renner was the uh, Hawkeye. He was also the whatever he was in the Bourne movie, the fourth one. It was like the Bourne Legacy. Yeah, I saw that. I, I was not happy with it. But anyway, Forrest Whitaker, I don't remember what I've seen him in, but I do know he's coming up in Star Wars Rogue One. So maybe he's starting to make the rounds and star in a lot of movies. Who knows? This one looks good to me because I like sci-fi. I like alien movies where it's not, oh, we thought it was aliens, but it was just an elaborate hoax. Or, or it was just the government. Okay. I've seen enough of those that I think that's not really original anymore. Um, But if you legitimately do aliens, I think, okay, cool. How are you going to make them different? What kind of story are you going to wrap around it? So in this one, it looks like it could be a lot of great dialogue because it's called Arrival. And she's this expert linguist and she's supposed to communicate with them and think or and say, so why are you here? What are you doing? What's the dealio? What are we doing? That's different than, oh my god, the aliens are attacking, like, Independence Day, and they just fight. Okay. If you want some stupid action, then yes, you go see Independence Day Resurgence, or even the first one, which I did not like. But this one, Arrival, looks like it could be better scripted. Who knows? It's nebulous. So, now in the final block. Something that I think has happened to all of us. Maybe on a regular basis. Maybe that's just me. I don't know. You tell me. The Bonfire. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Buck Sexton. Plenty of secretaries of state have come and gone. Few of them really leave much of a mark. Hillary Clinton left a mark and it was terrible. She was bad at the job. So when people talk about her qualifications, it's like saying, well, you know, yes, you went to Harvard. You got... D minuses the whole time you were there, but I mean, I guess you went there, so it's all that matters. Buck Sexton, weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Blaze Radio Network. This is The Bonfire, on demand, on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, you tell me how many times this has happened to you. You're at work, you just had lunch, you're sitting at your desk, and all of a sudden you think, whoa, man, I'm tired. Where did this come from? I'm just going to go pass out now and uh, take a nap in the bathroom so I don't get caught. Hopefully, 
if you do choose to take a nap at work, you don't do it in the bathroom. That's gross. You don't know what could happen. You could fall onto the floor, and yeah, you don't want to end up there. A survey of 2,000 workers has been able to specify exactly when the post-lunch slump kicks in, triggering a lull in your concentration and a lack of productivity. The study found that a lot of workers find themselves in this position up to three times a week at 2.22 p.m. Exactly. Now, this is just for uh, uh, Brits because it was like a British study. And these are what the, the British say over there. They hit the wall at 2.22 p.m. I found that, I, I'm assuming then if they hit at the wall at like 2.22, they're generally having lunch at noon. 12.30, maybe, something like that. I, on the other hand, don't really get to eat my food till about 1.30. So I have a later lunch than a number of people. So my slump is not really 2, two o'clock, 2.30. It's more 3, 3.30. Now, that makes sense. There used to be a thing called siestas. Not only because during the middle of the day, when it is hottest, you would have to take a break because there was no AC, possibly not enough water, so you had to go sit in the shade. You had to go take a nap and say, well, we have to wait for the heat to pass before we can get back to work and keep on plugging away. Maybe we should return to that, having siestas. Because if our bodies are designed that way, and I've seen some studies that say that too, you can find studies about anything, yes. But let's think about that idea. How often, from your personal experience, do you think, yeah, I work hard, and yeah, I guess in the afternoons, I do find it pretty hard to concentrate and think, okay, day's mostly done, I just ate, what do I have to do tonight, what do I have to do right now? Oh, I'm really tired, oh, I guess I didn't sleep enough last night, oh, and everything, it just keeps going on and on. You think about it. My personal experience is, yeah, I do start to slump in the afternoon. I do most of my best work in the morning because that's what my job calls me to do. The deadline is 11 a.m. to get everything done that I need. And then in the afternoon, I go eat, and then I think to myself, all right, I got the lion's worth of the work done today. Let me find a few things to kind of wrap up on and tweak and get ready for the next day, maybe help others. But that's when I start to lose concentration. I start to just kind of daydream. I've definitely sat at my desk before and tried to, you know, keep my head up and not nod off. So I've definitely done the whiplash where I'm like, whoa, and you think you're falling down, you jerk back and everybody stares at you going what what is your problem <laughs> you say sorry Ooh, nothing Ooh, i just had a little spasm those are embarrassing especially like when you're on the plane or you're in public Ugh. they're pretty funny in retrospect but in the moment you just feel like an idiot so hopefully you don't do this in front of your boss not good not productive and ultimately that's why you're at work you're at work to get work done so there are some suggestions from this study that say look when you notice yourself hitting the wall here's what you can do to stay awake um, you hit the wall in the first place because maybe it's a warm office. Obviously, you didn't get enough sleep the night before. If you have a big workload or you're not enjoying your work, you ate too much. <laughs> oh, if I had a dime for every time I did that. If you had a particularly busy morning, then your afternoon is necessarily going to look less hectic. You're going to think, wow, phew, well, I got a lot done this morning because I had to. I was under pressure. But now that it's all done, wow, I feel like I have nothing to do. You could be dehydrated. And then it goes on another list saying, money problems on the mind, eating unhealthy food for lunch. Yeah, there's no such thing as unhealthy food. Not for people like me, because I don't gain weight. We have also talked about that here before. 5% body fat, and it sucks. The study revealed that one in seven thinks a change in diet would help prevent them from hitting a wall. Well, okay, fair enough. 
Half of the survey respondents said their diet is worse at work than it is at home, and one in seven would say that they eat a lot of junk food. Okay, I guess if you go to the vending machine and you buy chips and sugar and a soda and that's your lunch, then yeah, that's trash. That's terrible. Go get some real food. Go get something that's actually tasty. Drinking lots of coffee is another trick. People make sure they take a full hour of lunchtime. I take a full hour, yet I still get the slump, and I get a little little sleepy, probably because I'm full. And if it's in the afternoon, especially here in Texas, it's a little warmer, which means the building can sometimes be a little warmer. So then you're sitting there at your desk, and you're content, you're filled, and you think, okay, I got all my work done, or most of it. Let me just close my eyes here for a second. And then you wander off. So watch out. One of the uh, studiers, studiers, one of the commissioners in the study said, while caffeine seems like an obvious choice for avoiding a crash in the afternoon, in reality, it'll probably make you feel worse as the day goes on. Cooler and more hydrating drinks are what you need to avoid the slump that greets you just after lunch. Okay. I mean, I've had energy drinks in the afternoon. I've had coffee in the afternoon because I think it's going to work. And maybe it's sort of a placebo. I think it is. So therefore it does. I don't know. But getting up and walking around, that'll keep you awake. Absolutely. Go stand up for five minutes. The second you notice yourself thinking, okay, oh, I'm nodding off, fight that urge and just stand up for a second. Then all of a sudden the blood's rushing through your body again. You think, okay, okay, I'm awake. All right, I can do this. Go take a walk around. I do that in the morning when I'm really hectic and crazy. I think, okay, I gotta, I've been sitting here for too long. I need to get up and walk this off. Sometimes I get nervous energy as I'm sitting there working and I'm getting stressed. I'll get up and walk around for 60 seconds. I think you can spare 60 seconds, even 30 seconds. Just stand up and stretch. It's enough. I think you'd be surprised. So if you're like me, which you might be, who knows, then yes, you do find those afternoon slumps after you eat, after you're content, you've done your work, you're feeling productive, you're feeling good. Hell, even if you think you got a good amount of sleep last night, more than more than six hours, your body could maybe still be telling you, look, you need you need more. <laughs> if you think six is good, but you keep dozing off at least three times a week, then yeah, maybe you shoot for six and a half to seven. Try that. Yes, it is hard at the end of the day when you're like, I, I do want to go to bed, but there's a number of things I have to do when I get home also because I couldn't do them during the day. I'm at work. Time management. It's difficult and it sucks. But that's what separates you from the crowd, the vast majority of people, is if you can do that. Great time management. Speaking of time management, thank you for spending some of your time here with the bonfire, listening to me ramble about culture and entertainment. But like I said, that's perhaps why you're here. You understand I ain't here to talk about Hillary. Don't give a crap. I'm not here to talk about Trump. Don't give a crap. At least not in this setting. There is a time and a place for everything. If you want to talk politics, okay. Just don't do it at the bonfire. Okay? Who goes to a birthday party, for God's sake, and says, all right, let's talk politics, let's get serious, let's talk about some depressing issues? You'd say, hell no! We're here for a birthday party! Let's eat some cake and turn up the music and drink some good... alcohol? (laughs) Come on. Time and a place for everything. If you want to come to the bonfire, you know what to expect. Entertainment, happy thoughts, funny issues... (laughs) Cultural issues that make you think and go, hmm, okay, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, that makes sense to me. There you go. Read the articles up on bonfirethoughts.com. Still growing, still getting more writers as the uh, months go by. And uh, as the blaze 
continues to grow, I hope bonfire grows right along with it. And I hope the word keeps spreading, the bonfire word, because that is the good word. The good word here on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you very much. Andrew Herzog, out. This is the bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network.